You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, this morning we want to welcome you to Getting in the Word. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to give you a special welcome for those who are returning. It's always a privilege to have you. Uh, This morning we're going off script and we're going to be diving in uh, to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 37. And I want us to begin today by asking ourselves the question, um, who is it that we trust in? Because the reality is, is you will fall into one or two categories. You will either trust in the Lord or you will trust in man. And if you trust in the Lord, He will give you security. He will give you confidence. He will give you hope. And if you trust in man, you will find yourselves daunted with insecurities, a lack of joy, a lack of hope, and a need of something greater than yourself and or humanity. Here we find as we come to chapter 37, a psalm of David. And I want to begin by prefacing the reality of what's happening in our world. I don't know about the world you live in, but the world I live in is absolutely falling apart. There's sickness all around us. There has never been a time for which media has promoted the death of people. People are scared to death. People are worried they're going to die. People are scared their families are going to die. People are dying. The government seems out of control. There's no integrity in man. We have seemed to come to a place in the last days. What we find in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is a warning that Paul gives to his protege, Timothy, in his church when he says, but in the last days, understand this, terrible times will come. What does that even mean? Well, i tell you what it means. Look around you. These are terrible times. In the last days, terrible times will come. Verse 2, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money boastful, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, without love of good. The reality is 
we are living in such a day as this. There are people in verse 4 we're reminded are treacherous. treacherous. They're reckless. They, they are conceited. They are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And Paul being a wise man, and, and an apostle of God, speaking with apostolic authority, literally the voice of God, says avoid such people. Boy, that right now in our day and age will preach because that's the days we find ourselves in. Those are the issues for which we are facing in this day. And so as we look and as we come to Psalm chapter 37, we hear a plea of David, a reminder of David, that we who are in Christ, who are born again from above, listen, we have security in Almighty God. And if you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God, I want you to understand and know you will not have security but insecurity. So let us begin this morning by reading a few verses, and then I want to stop and I want to observe that. You know, some of the the, the hermeneutical methods um, that we use when we study the Bible, um, hermeneutics is just a method for studying the Scriptures and understanding the Word of God. Um, we call this the inductive Bible study method. And there's a twofold purpose for this is because I, I legitimately want you to see what it is for you to be able to do an inductive Bible study yourself. An inductive Bible study method consists of three things. Observe, interpret, and apply. So we read the text. We make observations from the text. We apply, we, we, we interpret what the writer is saying based off of other scriptures, and then we apply that to ourselves. That's the inductive Bible study method. So let's begin first by reading. Notice the, the imperatives, the commands, so to speak, beginning with David's words. He says in verse one, fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Now, I think that David is a wise man, and thus we need to pay much attention to the words that he says, because in reality, he wants us to not fret against evildoers. Now, we are living in a day in which evil is considered good and good is considered evil, but nevertheless, we are called not to fret. We are called not to be worried. We, we are called not 
to be in fear. And I think that what we find in our day is a reality of people who are living a life in fear because of evil doers. And the warning will become clear, I think, as we read through. But nevertheless, he said, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not envious towards wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass. You see, the enemy, as we live in our day, seems like they are winning. <laughs> and this is why I believe David says, don't envy them. Why does it always seem that the enemy is, is granted victory? I mean, God is able, isn't he, in his sovereign will and um, 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 omnipresence and his omnipotent, his power could just come in and destroy. So why? He wants us to be reminded, don't, don't be envious toward wrongdoers. Don't, don't be jealous that, that they, are, they seem to be winning. Why? Because, well, he says here, for they will wither quickly like grass. Listen, during the season of growing, the grass grows and, and it looks so green and lush and beautiful. The plants are, are vibrant. Their colors are, are extravagant and they look great and they, they look like they are just excelling with, with, with beauty and, 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 and they're doing so well. But listen, it, they will fleet. The beauty will fall. The reality will catch up to them. They, like the grass, will wither. The victory we know, in the end, we have the hope of eternal life in Christ. They will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. This seems to be contrasting something here seems to be uh, reminding us that though uh, the the enemy seems like they are winning in reality they are not it, it seems like there's temporary success but in reality they will lose sin is good for a season but listen Romans chapter 12 says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God will, in His right, in sovereign time, pay back retribution to the evil and wicked of this world that seem to be on, in faith value winning. The devil seems to be winning, doesn't he? The devil seems to be having victory. But nevertheless, we know that the pride of the enemy, the pride of the devil, um, is what fueled the, the devil, and it fuels the enemy of our day. When someone does something that is inappropriate or wrong, makes a mistake, it's the pride of man 
to try to cover that mistake. And that's what we see happening in our days. We, we, we have a generation of people who, who want to advocate their responsibility. But I promise the Word of God reminds us, gives us our stability, our security in God. They will lose. They will not be victorious in the end. So he reminds us that we're not to fret, we're not to fear because of evildoers. We're not to be concerned or worried, uh, uh, allow it to, to hinder us moving forward for the glory of God. No, we, we're not to be jealous of, of their victory, of, of, of their parading in the streets, their sin and wickedness, because they will fade quickly. But rather in verse 3, he tells us, trust in the Lord and do good. <laughs> you see, he wants us to respond in the opposites of how the evildoers are living. He wants us to be in complete contrast to the wicked. Rather, instead of trusting in the things of this world, the temporal things, we're to trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 remind us of that truth when it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Who are you trusting today? David wants you to be reminded you are to trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. There in the Hebrew gives the idea of your whole total, total being, your, your mind, your will, your emotion, all need to trust in God with all of your heart, with all of your being. Don't go leaning on your own understanding. There's a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs 14 says, but in the end leads to death. No, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. But listen to me. In all your ways, the scripture says in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, acknowledge him. The word acknowledge means to know. You see, when you know God, it's easier, isn't it, to trust. The reality is, is when we understand who God is, when we realize that God is just, meaning He does everything He does with righteous intention. God is immutable. God is holy. Listen, God is merciful. God is infinite. He is eternal. He is omniscient. He is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. When we understand who God is and God's character, then we can certainly trust in Him. David wants us to trust in the Lord. 
with all of our understanding, with all of our might, and in all our ways acknowledge him. And the, the, the benefit, the blessing is that he will make straight our paths. You might not be on the path you want to be on, but are you okay with being on the path God has you on so that he might be glorified most, best through your life? You see, we think we're in control of our lives. The Bible says when you are born again, you become a servant, a slave, a doulos of God. You are not your own. We need to be willing to submit to the authority of Almighty God in our lives. So he reminds us in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. (laughs) Is it hard for us to do good? In these days, is it hard for us to continually press forward, doing good in a world that is so wicked and evil? Listen, the world needs good. It needs good actions. It needs godly people investing and doing good. And that's why in Galatians chapter 6, he says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So the reality is, is by your doing good, you are sowing a seed. And like Psalm 126, 5 says, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Listen, the the, the wicked man earns an empty wage, but he who sows righteousness reaps a true reward. Psalm 11, 18. Do good. Don't grow weary. Help those in need. Pray for your enemies. Because if we are not careful and we begin to fret and we become jealous of those wicked people who seem to have success, we know their days are numbered. We know it will come to an end. And thus, we need to be reminded that we trust not in the wisdom of man, but rather trust in God and do good. Because in Isaiah 40, 31, we're reminded those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like evils and they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not faint. Don't grow weary in doing good, my friends. Maybe you need that reminder. Because I think what we have is a generation of people who are so concerned about the world and the temporal things of this world, this government, this leadership, vaccinations and mandates, that we've lost sight of the grander picture. And that is you are a child of God and you are called to do good even unto your enemy. And that's why he can say in Romans chapter 12, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If if your enemy is what? Hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him him a drink. For in doing so, you will heat burning coals on his head. So listen, trust in the Lord. 
and do good. Trust in God and do good. And then he says, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. You are here. You are in this land, this great United States of America. And you are called to dwell here. God has you here for such a time as this. There has never been a time greater than what we are living now to be a Christian. Yes, there will be sufferings. Yes, there will be struggles. Yes, there will be momentary light afflictions. But there has never been a better time than to be a mouthpiece for Christ. So dwell in the land. Cultivate faithfulness. Be faithful that as the world is collapsing around you, that you are faithfully doing good, that you are faithfully proclaiming the gospel, that you are faithfully serving the Lord. Stop being idle. God has given you time. God has given you a platform. Stop wasting the time that God has given you and use it for His glory. Cultivate faithfulness. He says in verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. You see, instead of allowing the world to permeate your mind, we are reminded here in verse 4, as David reminds us, what we ought to be doing is delighting ourselves in the Lord. And when you delight yourselves in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 7, 7 reminds us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Do you delight yourself in the Lord? Do you find your hope and your joy and your, your peace and your delight in God? Because I think that what we need to be reminded of is that we're called to delight in God. We delight in everything else, don't we? We desire everything else in the world. We wish for everything else rather than we should be wishing for opportunities to serve Almighty God. And when our heart aligns with the will of God, He will give us the desires of our heart. But never will He give us the desires of our heart if we're fretting, if we're not what He says here in verse 5, committing our ways to the Lord. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. So, so so, many of us are running around bat crazy, trying to fight this battle in our own strength, failing to trust in He who can accomplish what you are trying to accomplish. 
Listen, you can scream at the top of your lungs. You can get angry at the top of your lungs. But until you commit your ways unto the Lord, trust also in Him, He will accomplish His purpose. And when He accomplishes purpose, He will bring forth your righteousness as a light. It's the light in your judgment. It's the noonday. You will shine bright into a world that needs light. Listen, we live in a dark world. This is Satan's world. This is, this is Satan's domain. I mean, the reality is, this is the adversary's world. This is not your world or my world. No, Satan rules the nations of this earth, my friend. Listen, the author of John 1 states the whole world is under the control of the evil one. What do you expect to happen in this world? Stop expecting heaven on earth. Stop looking on earth for that which you can only find in heaven. If you want that kind of peace on earth, then you must trust Christ. Because he says, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself. That way I'm there you may be also. If you want the freedoms of, of joy and freedoms of pain and freedoms of suffering, you will not find that on this earth, my friend. Because that is a promise for the next life in heaven with Christ. Now you can in the midst of those things as a believer and as a follower of Christ because he who has the Son has the life. It's in the now that you can have this joy and this comfort and this assurance and this security because of your faith in Christ. Because you know that when you die, you simply step into eternity with God. Stop trying to bring from heaven to earth what doesn't belong here. This is not your home. You are a sojourner passing through. So when you trust in Him, He will bring forth your righteousness as a light, as, as a, your judgment, as a noonday. Be a light to the world who needs Christ. Stop trying to accomplish everything in your own methods with cue drops and with numbers and all of those other things that just suck your life and your time away from you. Salvation comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, not some decoding method. As if there's some new revelation. Listen, God has spoken to us in and through His Word. If you want to hear from God and you know and know what God is doing, open your Bibles and read the living Word of God. And that's why He says in verse 7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. We live in a world where everything needs to be done right now. Have a little patience.
The world is collapsing all around you, but that's okay. Be patient. God has promised. God is faithful. He's not a liar. Rest in the Lord, my friend. Trust that no matter what happens in this world, the Creator of the universe sees what's happening, knows what's happening, and he will pour out his retribution on those who do not believe God or believe the gospel. That's his promise. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret. Do not worry. Do not be in fear because of him who prospers in his way. They may seem victorious. They, they may be financially astute. Don't fret because of men who carry out wicked schemes. Stop being scared to death. They're going to come door to door and give you a shot for crying out loud. God is bigger than that. God is above everything that's happening. We simply have to rest in Him and wait patiently for Him. And if you've made a mistake, God is sovereign over that. Or will there be consequences? Certainly there are consequences when we make mistakes. But I believe that God is sovereign over that. I've got dear missionary friends that have taken uh, the vaccination, uh, and and they're they're they have to so they can go preach the gospel in other countries. You, you think ought to, they ought to fear for their life? No, don't fear for your life. God's above it. God is sovereign over it. He is able. It's not the mark of the beast. Don't fret, verse 7, because of him who's, who's prospers in his way, because of, of the men who carries out wicked schemes. And so here's the reminder, I think, in verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. How many of you are angry? How many of you have fallen to the trap of the enemy? The devil has brought you in. Cease from anger. What, what, what's your anger going to do? Is it going to do anything for you? Is it going to fix the problem? I mean, if smoke starts bellowing out of your ears, is that going to make everything all of a sudden stop? Well, the last thing we need is a bunch of angry people. We have angry people on the other side. No, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Leave the wrath up to God. Leave wrath up to God. And then the warning is here. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. When you live your lives in fear, my friends, when you walk in this, this 
lifestyle of fretting against the evil that's happening in our nation, you become the very thing they are, and thus you are led into evil doing. For now we have two sides who are fighting and bickering and screaming at each other. And we end up looking like the crazy people. No. Don't fret. It only leads to evil doing. Be angry and not sin. There's a righteous anger. But we have to understand the enemy who we are fighting. This is not a battle against flesh and blood. Your, your problem isn't Joe Biden. <laughs> Your, pro your problem isn't President Trump. Your problem isn't a vaccination. It's a spiritual battle. It's a battle that you can't see waging war behind the scenes. And when we understand that, we understand how to fight the battle. We fight the battle on our needs in prayer. We become men and women of prayer. For we know that only God can accomplish what needs to be done. Because what's happening in this world is a sin issue. And only the gospel can penetrate sin. For the wages of sin, my friends, is death. And the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. That includes you and me. The only righteousness you have, the ability to have, is that which Christ has given you because he who knew no sin became sin on your behalf that you might become the righteousness of God in him. It's because of his, his, his substitutionary death. So listen to me very clearly. Cease from anger, my friends. Self controls what it takes. Don't fret. Don't fear. Don't get all worked up, for it only leads to evil doing. And verse 9 reminds us, for evildoers will be cut off. If you want to fret, and you want to become the very thing you're against, which is evil doing, the Scripture is very clear. Evildoers will be cut off. It's a warning, isn't it? But rather, listen to what he says, but those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble you see the difference? The humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in the abundant prosperity. God gives grace to the humble. We can stand up and we can scream and we can act like a bunch of buffoons. But the reality is this. It's only God who can win this battle. It's only God who can win the battles in your marriage. It's only God who can win the battles in your family. It's, it's only God who can win the battles in your children who are rebellion against Almighty God. 
It's only God that can win the battles of the presidency. It's only God that can win the battles in this wicked nation. It's only God who can win the battles in Afghanistan at the airport. It's only God who can win the battles against sin that has come into the world. It's only God that can redeem souls. It's only God through the work and person of Jesus Christ. Now you lack one thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you shall be saved. And when you are saved, He comes to take up residence in you. And you are now filled with the Spirit. And you have patience. You have peace. You have love. You have joy. You have kindness. You have self-control. It's time for the Christians to stop living like the world and start living as a child of Almighty God who is absolutely secure because we have a God who loves us, who cares for us, who has compassion upon us, and we can trust that God is in control. We stop living our lives like we've lost our mind because we have a God who is able. This is His creation. This is His children. And you can bet that no matter what happens in this body, death, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He has conquered death at Calvary. In those who put their faith in the Son of God, that Christ came, He lived a perfect life, was crucified, buried, and rose again from the grave. To those who put their faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you too, my friend, can have hope. You too, my friend, can have hope. God can forgive. God can give grace. And God can humble the proud. We need to know how to win the battle. And it isn't fretting, but it's walking in trust in the one who is able, walking in the security that God has given us through the blood of Jesus Christ. For there is no forgiveness for sin without the shedding of blood. You must be covered in the blood of the Lamb so that you can walk in faithfulness, in obedience. You can walk humbly, understanding you are absolutely incapable, that it is only God. So yes, stand for truth, but do it patiently. Do it humbly and trust that God will have reign and victory. And we need to be reminded that, listen, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will indeed heal this nation. He will indeed grant us victory. But are you okay with it looking different than what you want? Because God is sovereign, God is in control. And the reality is, is we are reminded in Second Chronicles chapter 7, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their nation. 
You want a nation back under God, you must be a child of God. We must humble ourselves and pray. It doesn't say humble ourselves and 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 scream our heads off. It doesn't say we humble ourselves and 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 do this or that and A, B, and C. No, no, no. It says humble ourselves and pray. How many of us are really praying that the Almighty God of heaven and earth will have mercy on us, on our children and our children's children? You see, when we humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God, because he says, when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. When we seek his face and we repent, we turn. Repentance is, is, is an act of will. It means to turn away from our sin. You don't define sin, my friends. The Bible defines sin. So let's just be honest. we got to turn from sin. What God calls wicked, we have to turn from. See, we're looking at the presidency and all of this. Listen, what we need to be looking is what have we as a nation accepted as good when God calls it evil? <laughs> we have to turn from our wicked ways, which is calling that which God calls evil good. And we've done it. For the sake of political correctness. Well, welcome to a world of political correctness. I don't know about you, but I don't like it. So let's call sin, sin, and stop tiptoeing around it so somebody ain't offended. Who cares if they're offended? The Bible says if they do these things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will die and go to hell. Let's stand up and call sin, sin. Call people to repent. Because until we do, my friends, until we turn from our wicked ways, we will not see this land changed. It's not until we turn from our wicked ways, then he says, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Isaiah 59.2 reminds us of the great reality that our iniquities have made a separation between us and God. And listen to what he says. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Repent. Repent of your acceptance of evil, wicked sin as good and acceptable because someone might be offended. Who cares if they're offended, my friend? Stand for truth. Repent of your willingness to accept what this culture has deemed good when God calls it evil. Because he says, woe to those who, are, who call good evil and evil good. We've made a nation that has idolized political correctness and become an idol. It's replaced God. And we need to turn and relent and humble ourselves so that we can inherit the land and enjoy and delight themselves in the abundant of prosperity. 
So I pray today that you will not fret, that you will indeed trust in the Lord and do good and have the security of knowing that God is in control, that God has saved your soul. So listen to me very clearly. Maybe you're here this morning. Someone invited you. I don't know. You just clicked a link. You ended up here and you got this crazy preacher preaching from Psalm 37 off the cuff. And you've never put your faith in Christ. You, you want this nation to turn around. And you realize today that you're part of the problem. We're all part of the problem because we try to do things in our own strength. Instead of walking in the spirit, we walk in the flesh. And we know that Scripture is very clear that we ought not do that because the flesh um, sets its desires against the Spirit, for they are in opposition to one another. Listen, uh, the flesh craves what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit it, it, what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. So here's the reality. Today is the day of salvation. Today you can ask Christ to forgive you of your sin, of your acceptance of sin in this nation. And you can ask God to forgive us, to heal us spiritually, and to heal our nation spiritually. Because only God can fix the problem that we're facing. It's a sin issue. It's a moral issue. And we need the Savior. And His name is Jesus. And for God so loved the world, listen, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Have you put your faith in Christ today? You can do that right there. Just call out to Him. Repent of your sins. You've broken the law of God. You've not lived a perfect life. No one has. And the wages of sin, well, it's death. You will die eternally separated from the presence of God in a place called hell lest you believe the gospel. For the gospel is the power to save. So would you put your faith in Jesus today? And trust Him for number one, your salvation. And then begin to pray that God would have mercy on the church, on your families, on this nation, and in this world for we know that one day he will return and he will make all things new. And we have our hope in eternal life, not in this temporal world. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.